Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is The Good Life. Food, wine, and all the good things of life. Now, here's the host of The Good Life, Guy Bauer. Yes, it is. Good afternoon. Welcome to the program. Food, wine, and fun for years. That's what we do every Saturday here. Max is on the panel, and yours truly sitting in front of the elderly black microphone versus the gold microphone at EIB Network. Um, uh, this show is going to be so good today. It just two different topics, completely different, and we won't have enough time. But uh, the first topic is about a book called Gâteau. If you've been to France, you know what that means. It's uh, French cakes, and if you ever been in Paris and walked into a Parisian bakery, the aromatics and the visual stimulation is phenomenal. And then you, well, we'll talk about interpretation of desserts. But this book, subtitled "The Surprising Simplicity of French Cakes," uh, may be the way to do this. My wife made some uh, chocolate lava cake out of the book last night. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. It was lovely. In the second half, you know, we get packages delivered from everybody, right? And you got porch pirates and rain, and they throw them on the front steps and uh, uh, insecure. And then if you have food delivery, you got to be home. Well, drone deck, as in uh, autonomous drones delivering things. Drone deck is a company headed by Dan O'Toole. He'll join us in the second half that puts, uh, has the ability or is working on having the ability, they have a working model and they're in the test phase as we speak, of a drone-capable, autonomous, automated, with app mailbox for your home or for your business. And it's not only secure, there's so many other things it does. It's got to be terribly expensive, but we'll find out in the second half. And then, since we were talking about French desserts, we should have a French dessert wine is the wine of the week. It's from Petit Gerard. This is probably one of the most... Chateau Gerard is probably one of the most renowned, uh, other than Chateau d'Achem, f- producers of Sauternes. Sauternes a region. It's the name of the wine that comes from the region. And uh, this one's a Jacob Liquor Exchange. And it's a value. Uh, you know, we're talking about 20 bucks. And... Uh, it's different than some. If you've had some sauternes that are uh, very syrupy and sweet, this one's not quite as sweet. It has some sweetness, but oh my God, what a perfect cheese board accompanying it. 
We'll talk about that at the end of the program. But first up, Alexandra Crapanzano is a James Beard award-winning writer, dessert columnist for the Wall Street Journal. She's done a couple other books, The London Cookbook and Eat Cook L.A. She's just been around for a long time, and I don't know how people like Alexandra find the time to do what they do and then have a family to, to boot. Alexandra, welcome to The Good Life. Hey, thanks so much. Glad to be on. Okay, we got to start with you. Uh, Harvard grad, uh, you get a, all kinds of degrees from great universities. <laughs> and take it from there. Brit, where? How did you get to where you are today? When did food come your focus? And tell us where all you've been. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I'm gonna. I have to backtrack first. Uh, so, I my mother uh, was the European correspondent for the New Yorker magazine for, oh my God, now 50 years. But uh, when I was a kid, we would I would kind of follow her back and forth to France, uh, which was incredibly lucky and a great way to live. Um, and then when I was 10, we actually moved to Paris and we moved to a neighborhood that is really, really well known for food. I mean, it's right in the heart of the sixth. It was down the street from the French bakery, um, Poilane, which has that fantastic, those great miche loaves. Um, and at the time, you know, the exchange rate was favorable and we just ate really well. And my mother's a phenomenal cook. But I also would go to the houses of my friends, my French friends, um, as a kid, and and I remember just always being wowed by, by by just the not only the levels of the meals, uh, but also just the casualness with which extraordinary food was made and served. Um, so you jump ahead, and and I yeah I got a I got a degree in literature, and then I went on to graduate school in film. And I worked as a screenwriter and worked in the business. And actually, my money job was producing for Martha Stewart when I was in grad school. So I had a lot of I got a lot of cookbooks around me, which was great. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and then when my son Garrick was born in 2006, um, you know, I knew I wanted to take off some time. And then suddenly the Writers Guild, which is the, the guild that, that screenwriters participate in, went on strike. And I thought, you know what, writing is a muscle. Uh, I need to keep doing it. I don't want to do it in the same kind of L.A., New York way that I had been doing. Uh, and I I wrote to Amanda Hester, who was then the editor of the food pages at the New York Times Magazine, and I pitched an article, my first article, and she said yes. And, and that kind of launched uh, what, you know, was going to be a tiny side career and has kind of <laughs> morphed into something much bigger. <laughs> Um, but you know, I, I would say when, when people ask me about, about my focus, particularly on this book, Ghetto is, it is really, it was really kind of writing my way home to Paris, uh, during the pandemic in so many ways, you know, it was, um, it's, it's just about, it's an ode in so many ways to, to the city I love and the country I love. Well, and it's. It's well done. I can tell you that. And my wife's <laughs> chocolate lava cake thing, molten, oh, my God. And as luck would have it, I watched the movie Chef yesterday for about the third time. About the oh, guy, guy who gets fired from the restaurant business, starts a food truck. Yeah. And, and if you remember, there was a section in there about, it's molten. <laughs> it's not uncooked. <laughs> and That's she right. fixed that. And, oh, my God, Alexandra, it came out so perfect. And and she oh, threw it together that. in minutes. I mean, really, it was pretty easy. 
Yeah. These are all easy. And, you know, one of the reasons I'm so happy to talk to you, too, is there is in this book, there's something called the Floweretless Chocolate and Red Wine Cake. Mm -hmm. And and I know you're going to love that one. And that's next. How did you know? Look, we we're we're buzzing (laughs) on the same wavelength. Uh, Yeah. She knows me. Chocolate is one of the major food groups for me. Um, And and I thumbed through there and I said, what are you going to make? And she said, the molten chocolate. Thing. Okay, perfect. And after that, I said this, and we're going to make this. Uh, anyway. <laughs> good. All right. Let's talk about uh, having been in Paris a few times and walked into a, a, a beautiful patisserie, and you look at these things, and they're so expertly put together and beautiful. Or you're at a restaurant, and you get this beautiful suite serving brought to you at the end, and you almost hate to cut it. It's so pretty. And and oh, yeah. and if you have an American mindset, you sometimes you put this in your mouth and go, oh, well, it's good. It's very good, very fruity, not a lot of sweetness or less sweetness mm-hmm. than what you might expect. But it's the time and things that go into this beautiful piece of edible art that attracts people, I think. And then it, you, if you're a Parisian, you're used to that. And I think you mentioned somewhere in the book uh, about – Parisians in the U.S., when they get a big piece of chocolate cake, will scrape the icing off the top, you know? Absolutely. And the difference there is phenomenal. And the work to put together these beautiful pastries and cakes in Paris versus what you did in the book is really the thrust of the book. I think, let's see, what was the thing you said? Uh, It's for Parisian home cooking. I mean. Yeah. Totally. And, you know, and I think I think one thing about these absolutely stunning works of art that you see literally kind of on every other street in Paris at Petit Serie is that is that the French at home are really smart enough to know that they're not going to compete with that. Right. Nobody is going to come home after a 10 hour day of work and, and put together a, a beautifully intricate mille feuille. Um, so they're, so they're wise enough not to not to try that. And instead, I think, you know, we're in, there were two different kind of themes you mentioned there. I want to get to both of them because they're they're both really, um, I think, important to this. One is that, you know, the French really do. And, and it took me a while to actually figure out this, but that the Savoir Faire, the Savoir Faire, the French know-how that we, you know, we come to think of as Parisians and the way that they can kind of put on a silk scarf and it looks totally chic and, and it just seems like it's a genetic superpower, right? You know, what I learned in Paris, and I'm a total Francophile, but let me just demystify this for a second, is that it really is not about that genetic superpower. It's just about, it's not only about practice, but it's about having a couple classics that you really know what to do with, right? So, so they, you know, when the French cook at home, they tend to cook incredibly simply, but really, really well. And they're less wowed by novelty, I think, than we are in America. Um, I rarely will go to somebody's house and hear somebody say, oh, I'm going to try this new dish, right? It usually is that they are, in a very understated way, working from the classics, 
that they know, and some of which they've even learned in nursery school, like their yogurt cakes. And and having that knowledge, everything looks easy because it is easy. And so they're able very casually and gracefully while having a glass of wine and talking to friends and cooking to just pop a pop a ghetto into the oven. And and it is kind of remarkable. And then you realize, well, wait a second, they've actually been doing this all of their lives because most French meals do end with a little something sweet. And what's new about it is is that because they have these classics that are so well structured, they can, you know, you can add berries, you can add stone fruit, you can add nuts, you can add chocolate, you can add spices and rose waters. And you can, you know, there's so much that you can do according to whatever else you're cooking with. So I love that. And it actually, to me, it's like, it's the, it's the way to entertain because you're, you're not, there's just no stress, right? You know, it's going to be delicious what they call which means, you know, foolproof. And you get to have fun with your guests and, and everybody is super excited to have something that they kind of know and love, but maybe has a little bit of a tweak to it. But the other thing you mentioned too is super important, which is they do cook with a lot and they bake with a lot less dessert with, with a lot less sugar. And I think, you know, I, one of the reasons why is really that they, they are trying to star an ingredient, right? They're trying to put a, a whatever that particular ingredient is center stage and not have it masked by sugar. So that when you bite into a French cake, that first sensation you get is rarely sugar, right? It's usually whatever the cake is made of, whether that has pears or chocolate or spices or, you know, different kinds of fruits, lemon zest, whatever it is. They really want that 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 immediate first sensation to be sweet, yes, but but not overtly sugar. Yeah, and and I think it, you know it's healthier. They they you know they they can have a cake every night because they're a little less sweet and the portions are a little smaller, and because they know they're going to have one the next day, they don't need to you know they don't binge. Uh, well, I, I will tell you that the chocolate that Beth made last night, and and this is the. Molten chocolate cake, and oh my god, it, it was. I love that recipe. It's just so intense with dark chocolate, and and not uh, probably one of the sweeter desserts in the book, I would guess. But not overtly, yes. not you know, it's not like a a triple layer thick icing chocolate cake. And when you cut into it, and the aromas, and you know, it, it was really something. Um, you you did. Uh, I love the way you you divided up the chapters, and you know I could read mm-hmm. them all, but uh, you know the, the the very first section, the the intro, equipment, ingredients, and spirits, what you would like to have in your larder to help you prepare some of these recipes is of great benefit. And the first chapter, the simplest of the classics, and, and to me, if you can make things out of that, you can make anything. Uh, that's true. The berry section. Oh, my God. And you said pear. I have memories of uh, the first time I went to Paris when I was living in Spain. I uh, took my parents, and we went to this uh, fancy restaurant and it had a, a pear tart. And it looks mm, so, so pretty. Bad. And, it, you know, the glaze on top, you think, it's oh, it's like crispy, solid sugar. And it, it was not. And you could just taste pears. It was so good. I love that. I, and there's a great, there's actually a great pear and chocolate cake recipe in this book, and and uh, and also a, a clafoutis that's made with chocolate and pears. So it's also great. What I love, you know, 
is just to accentuate pear flavor with a little bit of, of pear liquor, of pear Williams. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, I think that's a brilliant combination because there's that delicacy about pear that, you know, that doesn't, it doesn't overshadow the chocolate. It just kind of haunts it a little bit in the background um, and it keeps it delicate. It's just, it's, I think it's a beautiful combination. Um, And yeah, so the, so the, there's, it's a very boozy book, I will say. (laughs) (laughs) The the French do, I mean, it's one of the things I, I also know is, you know, the French have when they when you look into a Parisian pantry, right? You do see the the flour and the sugar and you know the almond flour and all of the, you know baking powder, all the things that we have. But then you also see in the pantry like a good six or seven bottles of liqueur, and they're not the best liqueur, but they're you know they're ones that you cook with, but they're not terrible either. And they just you know you, you buy them and and they're expensive, but they stay you know they last for years, right? Yeah. And and they use they use liquor really to give even the really really simplest of cakes that extra dimension that that kind of um, layer of nuance that that is really intriguing, and and the French are very practical so it it doesn't it's not something that takes a lot of effort it's just you know pouring in. I don't know, maybe a tablespoon or two of something like a like a cognac or an armagnac. Um, but the but the the chapter you're referencing is that first chapter is you know starts really with a yogurt cake, and the yogurt cake is is the recipe that kids learn in nursery school. And the the best way to describe it is really it's like their version of of Toll House cookies, right? I mean, everybody knows how to make. A yogurt cake. It is. It is literally in every school, and and it's kind of brilliant because once you know how to make a yogurt cake, you can add anything you want to it. You can and you can glaze it. You could you can add a little soaking syrup. You can brush it with honey. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, and people really do make that that literally literally recipe that they learn in nursery school. They will make all of their lives. Um, and it is you know the so when you buy yogurt in France, it comes in a little jar, and sometimes that jar is glass, and sometimes it's ceramic, and nowadays sometimes it's plastic, but it's about a half cup. And so you see these little kids, and they'll take a jar of yogurt, and it's always whole yogurt, right? And they'll just they'll pour it into a bowl, and then they'll, they'll use that empty jar, and they'll just do two jars of you know sugar and three eggs and one jar of oil, a little baking powder, and three jars of, of you know, a flour and whisk it for, you know, two minutes, pour it into a loaf pan and bake it. And it couldn't be simpler. And it requires, you know, no, you can do it before you've learned numbers and know how to measure things. And um, it's great. That's cool. Well, look, we got to take a break. If you can stay with us for one break, Uh, I want to come back. And uh, uh, the other French cake that every kid in France knows is pound cake. And the section yeah. that you have on pound cake has all the variations. And I'm talking whether it's nuts <laughs> or fruit or, you know, and uh, I kind of came up with a recipe long ago of even just it, better if you make your own, but then you know what's in it and you'll go, God, I thought pound cake wasn't that bad for you, but it is. <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> it is. <laughs> well, it's just butter and sugar and stuff. Um, but if you buy a pound cake, you slice it half inch thick and you pan sear it in butter. So it gets oh, caramelized, yeah. and then anything oh. you want to put on it. This whole section that you put together with fruit and 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 
and and and liqueurs and oh my yeah you could do that with anything but then we got to talk about yeah. savory so i'm probably going to okay. keep you a little bit longer than you want but uh oh no keep me keep me as long as you want there you go here. We'll, we'll take a break we come back we'll talk more with alexandra you got to get the book we're going to give away a copy not now after the next segment it's called gateau the surprisingly surprising simplicity of french cake if you've ever had one you think oh, i couldn't do it it's too pretty too fancy this book helps you do it. Uh, you can learn more. You you have to follow her on Facebook. Not a big uh, active Facebook gal, but oh my goodness. If you go to Insta and you look at the pictures, you'll be motivated. Instagram, it's just do Alexandra. It's spelled A-L-E-K-S-A-N-D-R-A. Crapanzano, just like it sounds. And we'll be right back with more Food, Wine, and Fun. You go away. I'll come find you. Jacob Liquor Exchange is the best. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 